Inside Out podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Our goal is to help you redefine your culture from the inside out. Today, we're going to talk about when it's time for a change. So you have myself, Nathan Westfall, and we have here our host, Michael Moore. Hello. Um, So Michael, City Church has been through several changes since the conception. What are some of the major changes that we've been through? So that is a, uh, I definitely say that is a loaded question right there <laughs> with, with where to start. So we have been through, uh, within five years, we went through 11 different location changes. We've been through name changes. We've been through staffing changes, board changes, uh, not so much vision changes, but system changes uh, and core value changes. Can you name the changes we haven't been through? Um I haven't left yet. So, so yeah, so we've definitely been through a lot of different changes and um, some good, some bad. And uh, I think right now the changes that we've experienced have actually been really good changes. So it's been good. Awesome. Um, When did you feel that it was time for a change? Nate, I think that's a, that's a good question. It really depends on what specific instance. And so I'll give you just kind of a few, uh, One of those was the first, uh, I I would say like one of the the first changes that we, because a lot of the changes that originally happened was changes that happened to us that were out of our control. And so one of the changes that we decided was our name change. And so that was one of them, going from White Couch, Albany to City Church. And we knew that it was time for a change. First off, we had already been praying about a change and just praying about what to, to change the name to because we, we usually were presented with, um, where do you go to church? White Couch. What does that mean? Which was great for a conversation starter, but then it led into this full-blown thing of trying to explain it. It just wasn't catchy. People didn't know what it was. Um, no, the demographic, the location either didn't help. Yeah, either. no, it, it definitely didn't. And so, so we, we had been praying about that for a while and we had gone through four or five different names and, and trying to kind of narrow it down uh, to one. And then for specifically us changing what, what made us pull the trigger was uh, we in our kids church had a kid come in who was African-American came in and said, can I go to church here? And we kind of raised the question, yeah, why, why couldn't you? He said, well, you guys are the white church and we are in a predominantly African-American community. And um, we we're like, yeah, but you can still come to church. But he's like, no, your sign says white church, Albany. And so the kid was misreading the sign, or at least that was the perception that was known in the area. And so that's whenever for that, we knew that it was time to make a change. And so that week, actually, after Sunday, it was Tuesday, I think at a staff meeting, we decided, all right, let's go on and change the name. And we filed for the paperwork, spent like $7,000 and did the whole legal process, which was, which was a pain itself. Uh, but that was that was one major change, and it was a good change. It was a change for the good. Some of the others, uh, board members, we've had to change board members. Those are never easy changes. Those are always difficult changes because you develop a relationship with the person. You don't want to see that person leave the church. You want them to still feel valued and honored, but also, and many other people have said this, some leaders can only take you as far as they can lead. And really, that's what it came down to is God gave us a big vision and some of the leaders could not see past a certain point just because God ha- hasn't given them the grace to be able to lead at that capacity, which I, I totally understand. And then some other um, changes that were for the best but not fun changes was was staffing changes. Um, those were always 
I should say, are always difficult simply because you love the person. Uh, the church is all about love. But whenever it comes down to holding people accountable, you have to hold people accountable. And if they're not producing and if they're not lining up with the mission and the vision of your organization, sometimes you have to let them go. And that's always a painful, painful thing to walk through, especially as a leader. I remember this being told to me whenever I started out that that in leadership, pain is going to be your best friend. And I kind of joked about it like, oh, no, that wouldn't be the case. And I'm here six years later to tell you that in leadership, pain is your best friend because you are constantly walking through pain um, and having to sacrifice the one for the the health of the organization. So after you found that it was time to make a change, how did you go out and execute these changes? Again, I think it all falls in line with what the change is. Um and I think th- there's 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 the aspect of sometimes it's easier to rip off the Band-Aid, like changing the name of the church. Um, that was one of those that we weren't going to have a bunch of people come in and talk about it and discuss it. It was one of those things. We did it. And then the following Sunday, we unveiled it to the church. And then the week after that, we just removed the old sign and put the new sign up there. Um, so that was one of those instances. And so sometimes there's change that needs to happen immediately. Uh other times, so whenever it's talking about mission or vision, that's where it's, it's and I think we've talked about in a previous episode, it has to be leaked out, where you, you start with your core leaders, they start talking to other people, they start talking to other people, and it slowly trickles out into the organization. Um, but I think, I think with all of that, there are instances, and you as a leader will know when it's time to change. Um, and ultimately, if it's a change that needs to happen now, or if it's a change that needs to be a six-month process or a nine-month process. Um, if it's a staff member that is weighing people down, that's pulling people down, that's bringing in negativity, that's derailing you guys, like I've said before, change immediately, uh, change immediately with that. If it's something mission or vision, a lot of the times that takes a longer process to be able to change those. Um, if it's a location change, depending on your scenario, uh, sometimes you can build that up. Sometimes you can create momentum around that. Sometimes like us at the beginning, whenever we had our first location change, it was two weeks. Hey, you guys are out in two weeks and you just kind of have to scramble and, and, and go with it. And, and I think one of the things people think, um, and maybe we'll get into this in a minute, is a lot of times people think that change is bad. Change is not bad. I would say the constant, the only constant thing in your organization should be change outside of Jesus and the gospel. But I mean, how you manage it, how you run it uh, should be change. If you're not constantly looking at how to change things, how to make it better, how to go further, uh, then ultimately you're going to end up being a stagnant church, stagnant organization, um, your congregation is going to end up dying off. People are going to stop growing. You're going to quit seeing visitors or guests come in and you're going to want to end up, uh, you're ultimately going to end up dying. And so recently, recently I had a conversation with a pastor and we, uh, we were talking about changing his church, changing his culture from the inside out. And he liked a lot of the stuff that I presented, but then we came back to the conversation and he didn't want to change anything in his church. And that's a church that has got a lot of potential, but because the pastor or the senior leader is unwilling to change and unwilling to execute the changes, they're going to end up ultimately probably dying off simply because of old age and not willing to, to, to change things systematically to be able to reach more people. And so executing change, uh, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's slow. 
One of the things I would recommend is getting a group of two or three or four, no more than four people around you to really speak into that. And so this, you know, this is sometimes if I have an idea, um, I will email out a few people and just bounce the idea off of them. Hey, what do you think about this? And you've sent me emails back um, and it's like, I think this is a horrible idea. And then you list. Yeah, thank you. I love you too. (laughs) But you list like eight reasons why it's bad. But what I love is at the end, it's like, but if that's what you decide to do, then I'm going to support that and we'll be able to move forward. And and so I think that that's good is you're able to weigh the opinions of people and people that are going to speak openly and transparent with you about it um, that are not going to be biased, uh, but you're able to weigh the opinions and then from there make the most educated guess with that. You know, scripture even says, um, if you lack wisdom, ask God and God will give it accordingly. And so it's one of those things that if you do lack wisdom, ask God for about it. God, ask God about it. Pray about it. Ask your close friends. You know, there's wise counsel um, in the multitude of many. There's not wise counsel in the multitude of one in the multitude of many. And so if you just go in and I'll say this, if you're taking over a church, if you just go in and you just start making a bunch of changes without consulting people or getting people to buy into the vision of what you're trying to do, ultimately you're going to end up bankrupting yourself, getting a lot of enemies against yourself, and you're going to end up hurting the church as an organization. But if you can get the buy-in from three or four influential people, weigh the options there, and then from there make the wisest decision for the church, I think that that the change um, will will be good. And then from there, it's really just lining out the, the timeline. And so, uh, and here's something else. Ask yourself this question is, uh, what do other people already know that needs to be changed that I'm unwilling to actually make the change? And so, um, whenever a lot of times, if there's something that you've been thinking about, this needs to change, or this staff member needs to go, or we need to change this department or cancel this program or this ministry, more than likely, if you're thinking it, half the people in your community or in your congregation or organization are already thinking that. And so you're probably going to be the last one to the table to be like, hey, should we do this? Um, and if you're sitting on it for a while, people are probably already know that, that it needs to, to be changed. And I'll say this. Whenever you're a leader in a church um, and you're trying to attract other great leaders, uh, these great leaders are going to see the changes before you see the change. And if you are hesitant about making the changes, they're going to be sitting back there. Do I want this guy actually leading me uh, who's not willing to make the tough decisions or make the tough changes to better the organization? And a lot of times that's where pastors will lose uh, a lot of phenomenal staff members or a phenomenal uh, leaders or lay leaders in the church is because they're unwilling to make the changes because it's, this is the way we've always done it. And ultimately that's what, that's what cripples things. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that you bring up that I think the, the big thing is that you always are constantly evaluating, right? So even going back to when it's time for a change, you should always be asking yourself that question. Is it time to change things up? Is it something that we should move around? Just all those questions should always be in your head rather than be the person that's just resistant to everything. Yeah, totally. And even with the execute part, it should be totally um, in your mind where whether it's you have three years to roll out this decision or you have, as you said, you know, in two weeks, you're kicked out of this building. Um, Whatever decision that you talk to those two, three, four people about, uh, once you make it, you want to stay committed to that decision, right? You don't want to waver from it. You want to stay steadfast on your goal, whether it's two weeks or that three years. Um, 
you're not you're you're doing it right you're focused on the goal you're not kind of like oh i'll let this slide or this you want to be focused on that change yeah totally and so let me let me give you two two scenarios where change has worked well and poor for us in both of these scenarios is one with our the order of experience every week um so whenever we experiment with an order of experience uh, or our order of service or gathering, whatever you call it, uh, we usually commit to that order for about a six to eight week period, yep. knowing that it's going to end up changing. Yep. And, and no matter opinions either. Yeah, yeah. that's the stead, steadfast. Exactly. And so we commit to it. And so there's so, so one one of the things we do a turn, two minute turnaround right now, and we're realizing all right, the announcement video doesn't work well after that because the transitions this, and then it's people sitting up, standing up, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting. And so it becomes very um uh, uh hiccuped i guess there isn't a, a smooth flow even though we would ideally like it to flow smoothly right yep and so that's one of those things we stuck with it for probably eight weeks and now we're reevaluating it all right we made a change now we're about to make another change to tweak it even more and so that's a that's a small thing that doesn't require a lot of input um, that you as a senior leader or as a staff can can make that decision real quick. There's very little buy-in from people that you have to get. Another change um, that was both positive and negative for us uh, was going to the Washington Armory. And so uh, if you're listening to this, you don't know our story. We moved into our building. We were at uh, three experiences. Uh, we were wearing our volunteers out. And so we had an opportunity to go across the street to the the Washington Armory, which our building at capacity seats 132. Uh, they're building at capacity seats 4,500. That's right, 4,500. Yeah, that extra zero is correct. <laughs> yes. And so uh, we we got uh, handed an opportunity to be able to go over there. And we rolled this out in about a month process to the church. Hey, we're going to try to go over there. And then we laid it on the table. It was like, we're going to try this for two, maybe three months. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, great. And and it worked in our favor, but it also hurt us in our favor. It worked in our favor because ultimately we wanted to go multi-site. And so all the stuff that we wanted to buy, not all, but a majority of the stuff that we wanted to buy from multi-site, new sound equipment, pipe and drape, stuff like that. Uh, we had to purchase to be able to go into this large venue to make it feel smaller. Right. Um, and and with that, it was very attractive to people that a church was meeting in the Washington Armory because there wasn't a lot of life in there. And it's a stadium, literally a stadium. And so it was very attractive to people like, oh, you guys are meeting in the Washington Army. It's a staple in the city. Yep. So it was very, very positive for us. The negative end um, is we were paying $4,000 a month in a three-year lease plus 3000 a month to rent out a portable location. So it's $7,000 for a church of just a few hundred people. That's not sustainable. And so we tried it for a period of time and it got to a point where it was like, all right, do we want to be financially responsible? Uh, and so we ended up pulling back um, and which then set us up to be able to actually launch out and multi-site and have the stuff and have the momentum to be able to do that much easier really than expected. And, and so it ended up, it was, it was a positive, negative, positive, if that makes sense. And, and it's one of those changes. And it was a very tough call because I'll be honest, the armory is sexy. Yeah, it was. It had that appeal for sure. It, it did. It made us feel like a mega church whenever we're not a mega church. Definitely. Um, so it was, it was a positive, negative, positive. And ultimately, I think it's going to turn around in our favor to be a positive thing because they've now come back to us and said, at the end of your lease, we want you guys back because 
because of good karma. I love how I'm making these signs like people can see it, but no one can see it. But but because of good karma, they want us back in there and they're essentially begging us to get back in there. And so we've actually negotiated a lower deal whenever our lease ends to go back. Right. And that's great too. Do you, without even mentioning it, you just pointed out that both those things are things that we're constantly still evaluating. We're constantly still evaluating when our lease is done, do we go back into this building? And every six weeks, should we change up our service times? Without even, you, you get set that mindset right from the beginning that you should be constantly evaluating what you're doing. I think that's great. Yeah. And and one, one of the things I've, I've heard when, when you talk about change and when you talk about evaluation of change, uh, name change, you really can't do this because of, of the huge process. And we'll get into that at a, at a later, later episode, but the huge process of doing it right. Um, but with changes, uh, order of, order of services or experiences, uh, how your community groups or small group system is running, uh, how you're assimilating people, all of that stuff. Those are stuff that needs to be evaluated all the time, um, to be able to find the holes, fill the holes and to do it better. Uh, so with all these decisions, right? So you talked to these two to three people, you got some buy-in, um, but obviously not everyone's going to buy in, right? So what was the pushback for some of the changes uh, and how did you guys deal with that? Whether it just you as the elders, staff? Yeah. So there's, um, a- as an elder board, it's always difficult because you want everyone to be in favor, but that doesn't always happen. Bottom line. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. Yeah. And so what I love about our elder board is they have the liberty, and I, and I genuinely am not not lying whenever I say this, but they have the liberty to disagree with me. But just like you, they walk away and they say, hey, if you feel that this is the direction and there's a consensus with this is the direction that we need to go, they'll lay down their preferences to be able to move that direction. Um, same thing is true, though, that if I'm like, hey, we need to do this idea, and they're like, um, you need to slow your roll, dude. Uh, I'm wise enough to be able to listen to them and submit to their authority at the same time and say, okay, now's not the season. Now's not the time. Um, and so there's, there's that aspect of it where there's a good push and shove. I would say, uh, there's not a hundred percent consensus consensus all the time, but there's always good discussion to be able to come up with the best option for it. Um, mm-hmm. Other stuff is whenever it comes to mission and vision, if you're talking about changing your mission, your vision, your values, uh, you're going to get pushback from people because they see church through their lens and they don't see church through your lens. And if they're coming from another church, not only do they see church through their lens, but they see church through the lens that they've been experienced to. And that's what we've experienced a lot is a lot of people coming in, not knowing our culture, not knowing our DNA, wanting us to do certain things a certain way. And whenever we tell them no, or whenever we tell them, Hey, this is the direction that we're going. This is how we're changing things. We've gotten a lot, a lot of pushback from that. And that's one of those where you have to stick to what God has told you to do, what you guys have laid out and cover it with prayer and trust that the results are going to be up to God. And this is something we've been talking about as a church this entire year, but we keep coming back to the scripture in John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branch abide in me and I will abide in you. Um, we are the vine, our, or I'm sorry, he is the vine, we are the branch. Our responsibility is to abide in Jesus and in the vision and the mission that Jesus has given us for our local church. It's not to focus on the results. And so the results are ultimately up to God. Yes, we do watch numbers. Yes, we do have a metrics. All that stuff is important, um, but it's important to gauge the health. 
it isn't the driving force. The driving force is being connected to Jesus and the mission that he's given us. And so if we are connected to that and our pulse and our heartbeat is on that, then ultimately the results are going to be what they are. And I'll say this, whenever we are connected to the vine and whenever we are focused on the mission, um, and even with the pushback that we get and with the exodus that we've had of people in the past, it always turns out to be for the better organizationally. Yeah, that's good. Um, have you ever had any other type of pushback? So like besides mission and vision, is there any other pushback that you've experienced um, outside of staff or outside, or will you include staff outside of elders? Have you ever had pushback from decisions outside mission and vision from staff that have been major or congregation that have been major? And how do you filter that out between um, let's say uh, a decision that you made wrong, right? Cause that can happen and a decision that uh, maybe they just took too personally. All right. So if you make, if you're a leader and you make a decision and you feel like it's the right decision and it's the wrong decision after the event, after the change, after whatever it is, and you realize you made a wrong decision, the best thing that you can do is you can go to your team and you can apologize and repent. Hey, I made a wrong decision. This is what I thought would happen. I failed um, and I'm going to learn from this and let's pick up and keep moving forward. Um, it, it's it's failing forward. And it, it, you're going to fail. You don't learn unless you fail. We have failed hundreds of times. Uh, and it's through those failures that we have learned where to, to, to get to where we are now. Um, with, with staff members, it's a little more difficult because a lot of people are married to their ministry. Yeah. Okay. And so with that, one of the things we continuously talk about as a leadership team, as a staff team, is your identity is not wrapped up in being a small groups director or a worship leader or uh, um, a campus pastor. Your identity ultimately is wrapped up in who Jesus Christ calls you to be. And so if we change something in your method of ministry, or if we give you pushback, or we want to change something in your method of ministry, we're not criticizing you and your identity. We're critiquing the way that you do things. And so this is not a personal attack to you. This is more so a, um, a critique of how things are done. And are we really raising the question, are we doing this the most effective way? And whenever you have that conversation, more times than not, the people would be able to rally around it and be like, okay, I see what you're saying. And so a uh, great example, and I won't say who, but one of our staff members, we we had some great dialogue uh, in conversation. And it came down to, I had unmet expectations. She had unmet expectations. We communicated through those unmet expectations. Are we there yet? No, we're not. But there's now that open dialogue of this is the direction that we're going. These are the changes that we want to see. And now there's accountability in place uh, and we can have the open conversations. And if she disagrees with me, she'll tell me. And if I, I'm, I disagree with her, she'll tell me. But ultimately, we have each other's back and we're still trying to get to the same results as far as the mission goes. Yeah, that's good. I won't get into it now because that's we'll do this at other podcasts, but that's a good example of where even um, you making the changes, sometimes that pushback is just that lack of communication, or maybe you thought you said something that you should, but it didn't come across that way. And I think that's a good point. Whole other topic. But um, so with all these changes, right? So we've gone over pushback, how to execute it when you feel it's time for a change, uh, you know, all the conception ideas of it. Uh, when are the times that change need to be slow and the times that change need to be quick. Yeah. So I, again, uh, mission, vision, values, those, uh, I really believe that they need to be slow. They need to be, pr- they need to be covered in prayer 
and they have got to be communicated to the right people. Uh, scripture says you cast your your you know don't cast your pearl but and don't cast your pearl out to spawn. I, I am You'll butchering this right now. I'm tired. We just had a baby. I know. Yeah, it's a small moment here. Congrats to Michael for doing this. You had a baby two days ago. Now. Two days ago, I didn't have a baby. I yeah, was just there for moral support. Yeah, you were. You My did wife have, did. Your wife had a baby. A wonderful baby girl, Allison Grace. That is. That is a yeah. Um, cute kid. Yes. Thank you. So don't don't cast your pearls out to swine. There we go. There we go. Um, so uh, what was the question? <laughs> Uh, when are the times that chains need to be slow and the times they need to be quick? Yeah. Okay. So, so communicating, communicating the things that you want to see change the, the, with mission, vision, values, stuff like that systems. Look, it takes, it is, a, it takes a while to implement a system. It is making sure it's the right system, making sure everyone's well-trained on it, uh, rolling it out, uh, discovering the loopholes, the the wrong areas in it, the, the back doors, all that stuff. Yeah. Church or no church, it takes a long time. Yeah. So it, so if you say, well, I want a new, I want a new kids ministry, or I want a new direction in worship, or I want a new whatever uh, simulation process, and you expect it to happen overnight, who are you kidding? And I mean that for real. Like, who are you kidding? Yeah, you could be a church of 30 and a church of 3,000. It's going to be the same time. Yeah. And I would even venture out, as we've gotten larger, it is harder to change systematic approach or, or systems in the church. And so that's the stuff that you need. I mean, I would I would, I would, would recommend rolling it out in steps. Here's a three-month three month plan, six month, six month plan, nine month plan, 12 month plan. At 12 months, this is where we want to be communicate that with everyone. Um, here's the changes that we want to see done. Here's your responsibilities. Here's where we're, we're going to hold you accountable. And then from there, step in and release the authority to the leader to be able to make the change. Don't step in and just start micromanaging. I've yeah. done that. I've gotten rebuked for it. That is another area where I've failed before. Uh, changes that need to be quick is if there's a cancer in your church, um, if there's a staff member who is destroying the unity amongst your team, um, uh, Changes need to be need to be made quick. If there are uh, serious issues that are affecting the flock of the church, there is someone in the church who is just constantly causing causing issues. There's a community group or a small group who is teaching off the wall doctrine to where it's becoming unsafe. And so, as a pastor, you are called to protect the flock, to shepherd the flock, and to protect the flock. And if you look at First Peter five, Peter really goes into that about the role of an elder or the role of a, of, of a pastor, someone in senior leadership. And so, look at the spiritual impl- implication of that. And if there's stuff where people are in danger. <clears throat> Step in and bring correction and bring bring quick correction, graceful and loving correction. But man, the longer you let something go, the harder it is to 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 change that. And that's another area where I've I've been like, oh, this isn't that big of an issue. And then six months down the road, it's a huge red flag. And then it it's even more painful to walk through it then. Yeah. No, that's good. Um so with this with this change, right? So how do you how do you honor people during the change? You know, how do you kind of get because as as even you just said, right? You so you see things one way, maybe they see things different. Uh, you think it's a big deal, they don't think it's a big deal. Um, that all goes back to how how they see it, right? So how do you honor um, the person? So like uh, two forms here. So how do you honor the church as a whole during this change, and how do you honor maybe that one person that you're making? Yeah. So so let's first let's hit on the person. Um, whether you're changing a style or a method of ministry or whether you're having to release someone from ministry. All right. I think it's, I think it's crucial to always honor the person. 
always honor the person, even if you have to let someone go, unless there is a moral issue or they're embezzling money, or I mean, it's a glaring sin issue. If it, if that's, if it's that, that's a different subject. And with that, cover them in prayer, be truthful with the church. Uh, but if it is a uh, vision issue or an insubordination or something like that, um, I would, I would honor the dog snot out of that person because they've helped you get to where you are. So honor them, uh, outdo them with honor. And by that, I mean, publicly celebrate them. I think that that's one of the biggest things, things that we, we, we sometimes lack in churches is that we forget to celebrate people. Celebrate leaders. Someone's transitioning out of ministry or into a different role. Celebrate the work that they did. Talk about the lives that they've touched the things that they've implemented, the lives that have been changed, the people that have come to know Christ because of that. So celebrate them. You don't you don't ever want to leave a sour taste in someone's mouth about someone. Um, now, again, I'm not talking about if there is a glaring sin issue. Uh, that's a swift needs uh, a, a quick change. And then again, just be truthful about it. Uh, whenever you're talking about changing a ministry, changing a style of ministry, or even killing a ministry, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you celebrate uh, celebrate the ministry, you celebrate the success that it's had, but then it's, hey, this is where we're going. And because of where we're going, we're glad what God did back then. Um, and God did some great stuff. And this is a good thing, but we're willing to kill a good thing to get to the great thing that God has in store for us. Yeah, that bigger vision. Yeah. And, and a, a prime example, and I love our worship nights, but we were doing worship nights a lot um, a few years ago. Yep. And so we, have, uh, we haven't killed worship nights. We have scaled worship nights back to two times a year now instead of eight times or 10 times. And it was one of those things that uh, there was good. We've even had people got saved at worship nights, uh, people ministered to, uh, just a lot of great things that have happened at worship nights, but it's one of those things. All right. Are we going to, uh, do we want what's good or do we want what's best? And so ultimately we, we have killed or scaled back drastically in this case, something that was really, really good so that we could be great at what God's called us to do. And we've celebrated worship nights and we're having a worship night in a few months, but it isn't an every month type thing for us or an every other month. It is now twice a year. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we honor those things, um, celebrate what God has done, celebrate the person. Uh, but you also have to understand that sometimes the torch needs to be passed from Moses to, to um, uh, Joseph. Is it Joseph? Joshua. Sorry. There you go. It says, it says lack of sleep, yeah. Moses to Joshua. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. Uh, anything else would change that we may have missed? I think we hit a lot of topics in terms of staff, uh, congregation, rollouts, evaluation. Yeah, I I would just say this. Like as a leader, um, it is crucial, crucial, crucial to understand you have got to put on your big boy pants and you've got to make decisions that no one else is willing to do. And Andy Stanley said this, the entire gospel is about sacrificing the one for the many. And sometimes in our churches, in our organizations, in our businesses, we have to sacrifice the one for the health of the overall organization. And and it's not easy. It is not easy. Uh, but I'm telling you, the results that you'll get out of it will be a lot more health, uh, a lot more growth. And ultimately, you're going to feel better as a leader uh, and, and your life, your marriage, your family, your church is going to be better as a leader because of it. That's good. 
Uh, so for everyone listening, that's it for this week at the uh, Inside Out Group podcast. You can visit us at insideoutgroup.org. If you have any questions or comments for Michael, you can contact us through the website or email us podcast at insideoutgroup.org. Uh, you can follow Michael on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Moore ALB. That's it. Uh, you can also uh, see his blog at the real Mike Moore. The real Mike Moore.com. Boom. Uh, and that's all that we have time for this week. So be sure to tune in next week for next week's discussion.